All right. How y'all doing? Good. Do you like my cowboy boots? I feel like I have to do this when wearing them. Um, my name is Darcy, and I'm obviously from America, celebrating the red, white, and blue today. But we're doing something a little bit different. This is not a sermon illustration for me. I'm actually about to invite three friends up, and we're having a panel today featuring some immigrants that have moved here to New Zealand at some point in their life. And so we're going to get to hear more about their story, what brought them here, and how God's been involved throughout it. So can we please welcome to the stage Raj, Yovandi, and Shan and come join me now. They're on their way up. As they come up, I was trying to think of all the different ways to say hello. Obviously, we've got kia ora, howdy. That's my turn. Can y'all say howdy? howdy? Doesn't that feel nice? Kia ora, bonjour, ciao, more more. Those are the South Africans in the house. Amazing, amazing. Well, we are very excited to um, have a panel like this on International Sunday because I don't know if you've realized this, but you probably would have realized this just looking around, but we are a very diverse church and we love to celebrate our unity, but also our diversity. And so I'm going to get you guys to introduce yourself to everybody. Let them know where you are from and how long you've been in New Zealand and why'd you move here? Raj from Fiji, 23 years in New Zealand. Fiji, brilliant, yes, uh, and um, came to New Zealand to be the first Indian All Black. Yeah. Let's go. Um, Yuvandi from South Africa, um, and we came to provide a better future for our boys, and we've been here since December last year, 11 months. Um, Shannon, and I'm from Malaysia. I've been born here, but been here for only 15 years. So came here because of my parents. Amazing. Um, I just want to survey the crowd really quick. Who here is from New Zealand? Raise your hand. Good. Who here is not from New Zealand? You guys, that's almost a 50-50 split. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Well, I want to start out with some lighthearted questions. And I'm going to mix this up from the last service. So, Shannon, I'm going to come to you first. Um, what is one of your fondest memories from growing up in Malaysia? Oh, the culture and hospitality. So Malaysia is a land full of food. They eat once a day and they never stop, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it was everything, it's just around food. And that was my favourite part growing up. It's always not what's for dinner, like what are we not having for dinner? Love that, love that. And Yovandi, um, when you think about the South African culture, what is you, some, one thing that you think New Zealanders should appreciate more about South Africans? Bry and Boltong. <laughs> you might have to explain what that is. Does, does everybody so, know what a bry is? Um, Go it's ahead. It's better than us. a barbecue. And um, Boltong is dried meats, and my husband makes the best. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> and, and Raj, when you think of all the countries you've been to, Aside from Fiji and New Zealand, what's your favourite and why? Singapore. Um, for one thing, you can spend two hours at the airport and not get tired of shopping. And secondly, just like Malaysia, you eat all day long. So, and I, I, I look after my figure quite well. <laughs> but our food is better though, right? South food African is food is you. the best. <laughs> They're all debating whose food is the best in the first panel, and I have to say all of them, because I've had all of their food, and it's delicious. Um, and so, 
we obviously have all moved here at different points in our life. Um, but growing up, I'll be honest, as an American growing up in Oklahoma, out in the boondocks, which y'all call the Wop Wops, um, that's what we call it. <laughs> but I didn't know much about New Zealand. Honestly, if, when I was little, if somebody asked me where New Zealand was, I couldn't have told you. Um, but we had different expectations coming here to this country. We had different ideas about what New Zealand was, what New Zealanders were like. Um, so tell us about some of the expectations you had of this country and some of the things that shocked you. Anybody can start. Yovandi, go ahead. Um, we heard that New Zealand is beautiful and everyone's kind and um, that everyone's so relaxed. So we got here and we saw New Zealand is beautiful, everyone's kind and everyone's very chilled out. Um, something that really shocked us is the difference in language. So uh, we just arrived and my friend phoned up, the one and only friend I had at that time. And she was like, listen, let's go to the beach, bring your togs and we'll have a good day. And I was like, why, why would I need togs at the beach? Because togs in South Africa is rugby boots. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. And what about you, Shannon? Expectations versus reality. Um, so, growing up in Malaysia and knowing that I was born here, it was always sort of like, you know, New Zealand, the country with the most beautiful scenery, and you get told all the movies that are being made here. Um, for us, it was really funny because we came here and it was an absolute culture shock. So, we arrived and I remember looking around to mum and I went, mum, everyone in this country is poor. And, and she kind of stopped and she went, what? And I went, look, they're not wearing shoes. Like, <laughs> you don't wear shoes, really? Um, and then the other thing is the whole nighties to the supermarket. Why do you wear your pyjamas to the supermarket? Like, do you not sleep in them? So those, it was all those little things and definitely the words, like the language is another one where, you know, togs, I didn't know, or um, jandals, I call them slippers. So just all the little variations were super funny. Um, uh, so similar thing, uh, obviously the language. Uh, what I heard about New Zealand was... You, you guys were the most secure place in the world, you know, people didn't build fences around their houses. Were you not worried at night or anything? So, um, and people left their keys in the cars as, you, as they went about and did their business. And that happened for the first three, four years when I was in the country. I don't know if it's a sign of me being in the country that people don't do it anymore. <laughs> but, but that was something uh, that I heard about New Zealand coming in and, and experienced that. Uh, I think uh, the other thing was no, no snakes, no crocodiles, nothing poisonous, nothing that can kill you. So that was great. <laughs> I can relate to so many of those. Even still, when I'm walking through the woods or the New Zealand bush, I'm like, where are the critters at? Like something's going to pop out and get me. Like if I was walking through the woods um, back home in Oklahoma, there could be snakes, there could be a bear, you never know. But here it's actually so safe. Just a little kiwi bird might get you. Um, <laughs> But even the language and everything, um, Frosty and I have so many different words for different things. And to this day, even though we've been married for five and a half years, there's still some things that he says that I just don't understand. Um, and I have to get him to repeat himself. And so I can relate on all those levels. You know, we know that New Zealand's this gorgeous country. But when we get here, there's, there's so many things that actually come as a culture shock to immigrants. And you might not think that because, say, we all speak English. But... For many of you, English might not be your first language. And so when you're coming into a country, even though I speak English and y'all speak English, we speak a different English. Um, and so there, there's changes that can shock us when we first come in, right? What was something beautiful that surprised you? I'd say the clarity of the rivers. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so, so New Zealand to, to me has some of the cleanest rivers, the, the coldest waters to jump into, but, but just the, the whole nature thing uh, that you think Fiji's a beautiful place and then you come here and you get hit this with this in your face and you go, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you guys think about your culture growing up um, and the, the house, the family that you grew up in, what did church and God mean to you then? And, and how did that shape who you are now? Um, I, so I grew up in a Christian family. Um, I'm a missionary's kid, so church was sort of like an everyday thing. You know, you start from Wednesday, you've got prayer meeting, you've got youth services, and it just goes around. And it was amazing. I loved it personally because it was a sense of community. You always had a family that was championing you. You always had... We have a... Um, so you have to call everyone older than you. You don't have to, but you tend to call everyone older than your aunties and uncles. So you always had an auntie or uncle that was always either praying for you, supporting you, that you could go over and sleep over, or they called children. So it was just amazing. It was a really nice culture or community to grow up in. That was it for me. Um, so part of the Afrikaans culture, I think, is Christianity. So everyone has this staple in their religion as part of who we are. But in our family, we didn't really have an active relationship with God. So we went to church and we praised him on Sundays. <laughs> mm. But that was it. So only later in life did my little family actually really started getting a relationship with God and, and building that. So it was a part of life, but not a central part of our lives. Yeah. Um, for us, uh, uh, I came to know the Lord when I was 12, so at that point, uh, the, the family made a decision that we wanted to know more about this faith that we've just uh, gone into. So we spent a lot of time uh, reading the word, we prayed as a family, that there were routines there, but then church formed a part of our life, uh, and, and it, it was pretty similar to, to the whole community feel of, you know, you knew everybody, everybody was happy for you, you had more than one parent uh, in your life, you had these uncles and aunties that would be excited for you. That uh, I remember going for external exams and things like that, and the entire church would pray and fast for you. And then when you got your results back, they would celebrate with you because they were proud that this is our child that's uh, achieved the grades. And and that sense of community was always there. Youth was there. Fun. You know, I, I remember having sports um, with with all our youth and our pastors and it was just part and parcel of what what we had as as a community rather than just a building that's amazing you know and i can relate on different levels as well that growing up for me i grew up in what's called the bible belt of america which are more of like the southern right states and it's uh, not a matter of do you go to church? But the question is, what church do you go to? Almost everybody goes to church out of habit and out of routine. But like Giovanni was saying, I didn't have an active relationship with God. It was more of a Sunday thing that we did um, just because that's what everybody did. But everything changed actually when I was 22 years old and I came to New Zealand and I wandered into Elam Botany because, and this is why I originally came to Elam. And maybe you guys can share your stories too, but 
I actually was just here in the country by myself, and I needed friends because I was going to be here a whole year, and I was like, well, Christians have to be my friends. So I Googled contemporary churches near Howick, which was where I was living, and Elam Christian Center popped up in the search results, and I was, looked at the website. I was like, seems contemporary. It's not like the, the small, traditional Presbyterian church I grew up in or the Catholic school that I went to. I was like, there seems like there's people my age there. I'm going to go. And I went in, and everything changed when I walked into Elam Botany. Um, and that's where my genuine relationship with God started. What was your first experience coming into Elam? I know you started at Elam Botany. In fact, we met at Elam Botany the day that the Papakota campus was announced. I remember Raj came up to me. I hadn't met him yet. Raj came up to me with little Samara when she was a baby, and he introduced himself, and he said, we're coming with you guys. We're, we're going to be part of the launch team, and, and it's been such a journey since. But what was it like coming into Elam? So um, the first re uh, recollection I have of Elam and Elam Botany was past the Wayne in the car park. So we'd, prior to that, we'd been with a Hindi-speaking church for 16 years and, and definitely part of the family, the community that I'd spoken about. We just, uh, for the sake of our children, not understanding the language, we, we had decided to move on. And I was nervous about going into Elam Botany because we knew it was large. And as we drove in, past the Wayne who's out there in the car park, the, the encounter that I had with him just made me realise what a beautiful place. He was joking with us even before we had even parked the vehicle, I was cracking up and I'm going, okay, am I allowed to be this happy at church or do I need to be slightly more disciplined? And, and walked in, loved what we experienced on that day. And then um, between my wife and I, we were struggling to, to find a, a, a place called home. I didn't like Botany because it was too big. Uh, she didn't like Pukekohe because the, the sound wasn't good for her ears. So, and, and we just couldn't agree. And then we heard about uh, Papakura, and we knew that this was the answer for us right in the middle. Um, so, being an introvert and doing church shopping was really hard. So, I begged my one and only friend to come with me um, when I came the first time to Elam. And I remember when the church doors opened, my two-year-old saw all the bright colours and the music coming through the doors and he just shouted wow and everyone turned around and looked at him and gave him a little giggle and I'm like oh we're off to a good start um, so I loved the sermon but just after that the second lockdown happened and I'm not someone that just jumps into things the first time around so I watched all the um, messages online and I participated in the online growth track and after that I knew that I found home. Um, our journey started in the, our journey with Elam started in the Botany campus as well. Um, I think it was sort of just the easy route, seeing my husband teaches at the Golflands campus, so it was just go to Botany campus. And um, loved it, I loved the diversity. Um, for us, we were such busy people that it was actually perfect going to the Botany campus because you could zip in and out. But it was also not perfect because then you didn't build community or you didn't build, you know, growth. And um, something, Adam, you said last week to us was that growth or community, actually, you have to be intentional about it. And so that's how we got told about the South Campus is we actually landed in the Manurewa Campus, thought that was the South Campus, and then got told it was another one, popped over to here, and for us, it was home. So I remember walking in, walking out, going, I think we found it, John. 
we're staying. I don't know about you, but we're staying. <laughs> yeah, I cool. love that. Um, and something that you had mentioned to me the other day when you walked in is you looked around, you know, after being at a few of our campuses and you walked in here, you go, I can belong here. Mm. And, and I think for many of us, we've had those experiences, we you know, whether it's coming in, looking for a church home, even if then you had to hop online um, and do online growth track or you know, looking for the right church for your family and this one being announced. And, and I hope that many of you have had that same experience, walking in here and looking around and realizing, I could belong here. This, this feels like family. This, this feels like my people. Um, and I love that it's that community now. And maybe I could get you to share a little bit about what you shared in the first service when you said that, you know, that community that you had growing up in Fiji where there was that tight-knit community around church. You've now found some of that here, and you've adopted sons and daughters in the place. What has that been like for you? I, I think it's the one thing that I always look for uh, is uh, growing up, community was very important to us. Uh, I lost my dad when I was five. So I didn't have a father figure. So, so sorry, I didn't have a father, but I had lots of father figures around me, and 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 a lot of them were from church. You know, I, I remember when I uh, did my first project uh, to build a chicken coop back at home. It was an uncle and a, and, a, and and another uncle from church who came and taught me how to hold the hammer. You know, uh, how, how to straighten bent nails and things like that. So, so uh, for me, being part of a church family had to be more than just the zipping in and out, uh, out of, uh, of a Sunday service. It had to be somewhere where I could be part of that and, and also yeah, help others feel part of, of that family and that community I, I definitely find here. You know, I, I find there's so many people here that, uh, and I don't mean this in, in just a throwaway line, but I love you guys like my brothers and sisters and, and my children and, and I, I just... Uh, every time I come in here, I worry about how, uh, how can I feed you guys and, and cook for you all because this is what I, I do in my community. It is about us sharing a meal together. How do we celebrate together? How do we rejoice? How do we cry together? You know, because sometimes we've got seasons where we need to support each other. And, and I feel that Elam Papakura has that. That's beautiful. Um, Yovani, I know you're part of one of our small groups here, the Afrikaans small group. Um, and I know that that's probably a, a sense of security to be in a group that, that speaks your native tongue. What has that been like, having those people around you with a shared experience to help you feel like this could be a home away from home? Um, I'm going to add in what I said in the first service as well. Being an immigrant, um, it's really tough because for 35 years, you have built your identity and your connections and your support structure and you have a network. And then you arrive in your beautiful new country and everything is mesmerizing, but all of that is gone. You have no more friends. You have no more connections. You've got no network. If you need something done, you don't know who to call. Um, so I was really struggling because how do you make friends when you know no one? And then I got in contact with Darcy and I emailed her and I said, listen, I, w I really want to join a small group. I know it's not the beginning of the term, but uh, I need this. And she put me in contact with Anne and Chris too and we joined the Afrikaans group and I made friends and I got that support structure. And through them, I got to know more people sitting here and I've built up a network and I've built up connections and through God's grace, I feel like this is home now. And, and it's really difficult going through that and not knowing people, but through the small group, it's really broadened that yeah. and, and you have a place to belong. 
That's so beautiful. And, and I think, you know, it's important for us to talk about this because, you know, we, I, I had you guys raise your hands earlier. 50% of the people in this place weren't born here. And we have new people walking into our church every single week. You guys might not know that, but since we launched in March of 2019, Every single week, a new person has walked into our church. And so there's always people coming in here looking for home, looking for community, looking for friends, looking for people that can have that sense of support and network. Um, and so never underestimate the conversations that you have with that person who might be sitting on their own because you might be that person that plays a huge difference in somebody's life, especially in an immigrant's life. Um, and so we all play a part here. Um, but speaking of, you know, awareness and, and what that is like moving to a new country, maybe I'll have each of you touch on this, but Shannon, you can start because um, you moved back here at 15. But what is something that you would hope that maybe New Zealanders could better understand about the experience of somebody coming into a country, into a different culture, and learning how to adapt? What, what would you say? Um, I'd be kind of stealing some of what you said before because Raj got to start before me in the prior <laughs> service. Um, but a lot of it is the awareness around differences. So we're all different, right? We're, culture is a huge part of a lot of our identity. And so when you come into a different country, there is a lot of different things you would do in different ways. And for us, it were, for me anyways, it was also understanding that you're coming, the best way to say it is you're coming into someone else's country. So there are things that are already being established and being done a certain way. And so for you to get irritated over it would be silly. But the same thing for the people that are local to that country, you're having people come in and blend into your country too, which we do things very differently. And a lot of the times it's not to offend, it's just we don't know any better because it's all we've been used to. Um, so that was a huge thing and just the awareness over, you know, cross-culture. I mean, I'm married to John, who's South African-Portuguese, and there's so much differences within both our culture, but it's that understanding to want to learn. And my um, brother said to me, for a complete different conversation we had over the weekend, but he said to me, diversity isn't a positive or negative thing. It's actually what you choose to make out of it. So if you want to learn, learn, because you'll have so much to learn and you have so much more to give as well. Um, and that was kind of what I felt would be so important going both ways when you're immigrating into a country and when you're receiving um, people as well. Um, it's difficult because, like, like you said, um, we've got so much differences and something small, the English I'm used to is not the English you're used to. English is not my first language, language so sometimes there's miscommunication. And... As an immigrant, you've got underlying stresses and fears that you're battling with and that people that ha haven't been through that don't understand. Um, so you have constant pressure on you and you have to build up your identity and you have to prove yourself again from the beginning and it's not easy. And it's easy when you've got support structure but it takes time to build that up. So. Um, yeah, it gets easier with time. Well, we've only been here 11 months, but <laughs> it, it, it gets easier, but it's definitely a process. Yeah, and, uh, and just to add to uh, what the ladies have said is, it's probably just the fact that we're continuously adapting. We're, we're still learning. I've been here 23 years, and I, I still say things differently. You know, and I try and learn, I, I, and, and there's words that come out completely different because uh, I've learned how to pronounce it differently. But then there's also behaviors that, that, that are normal back home. 
that, that are considered quite rude here. So, so just, just that patience around uh, new people coming into the country, sometimes it's not intentional when, when we consider some, some of the things that they do to be rude. Um, it's, it's just the fact that they haven't adapted to, to the Kiwi way of doing things. Uh, I just want to use a light-hearted example for it, is, um, is around brushing. Such a simple thing, but when we got taught how to brush at home, you really scrape the insides of your tongue and your throat, and therefore you make so, such loud noises that two houses down need to hear you <laughs> before uh, you know that your tongue is really clean. So, so first rugby trip, I went on a rugby camp, and I decided to go and brush my teeth. You know, and, and when I did that, everybody that was my mate supporting me on the field just gave me a white berth because that was, oh, what are you doing, mate? That's, you know, that was considered rude. I had no idea what I was doing was wrong. But it's, it's just the fact that, that that was normal for us back home. And then I've learned how to be quiet now because Sunday gives me the eyes every now and then I, <laughs> I, I make that noise. But, but it's just the fact that we are slowly learning. Yeah, you guys have touched on a number of these things. And I, and I think it's so important that, you know, we, we have grace for each other. Um, and we also have this teachability in our spirit where we actually want to know and learn about other cultures. Um, and, and one of the things that I experienced, one of the struggles early on, and I said this to the first service, but I was living with a, a flat of some other dancers. And over breakfast one morning, one of the guys says to me, I, I'd been there a few months, he goes, you know, when you first got here, your voice was really annoying, but I'm okay with it now. And I was like, who says that? You know, just casually over breakfast. It wasn't even like, I like your accent now. It's just like, I'm okay with you now. Um, and, and it was, and the experience I experienced with that flat was that they expected me to quickly adapt and change my language overnight, change my accent overnight. When I would say shopping cart instead of trolley when we were out grocery shopping, they got upset and they got offended. Um, but they never really asked me about my culture at all. They never asked me about my story or my experience. And, and church and being in a small group was completely different. And so we're trying, you know, and I'm trying, like, with my pronunciation and saying papakura um, and learning how to pronounce things properly in the Maori language. Um, and that's been a journey that I've been on. Um, but I think, you know, the other way as well, uh, ask the immigrants about their stories. Ask the immigrants about, you know, their language and, and their culture because one thing that you might not realize with um, immigrants is that when we move country, there's a process of grief that comes with that because when you lose a loved one, somebody that was so special to you, somebody in your family that was part of your identity, you have to grieve that loss, right? Well, the same happens for when you lose your country, in a sense, because your country is very much a part of your identity, or at least for me, it was growing up. The language, the customs, the habit, the way that Americans are so over the top in everything. Um, and when I moved here and realized that I wasn't going back anytime soon, I had to grieve that. And so there's a process that takes place um, for immigrants. And so uh, as we try to adapt to the Kiwi culture, um, just have a little bit of grace for us, because uh, we're trying. We're trying. Um, but we've only got a few minutes left together. And so I want to have each of you just touch on, and maybe Yovanda, you can kick us off again. But how has God shown up in your story in miraculous ways through this process of moving to the country? Tell us what happened with you and your family. So my husband had the seed of immigration way before me. So by the time I finally got there, I said, we can do it only if God gives us a green light. We need to do it if it's in his will. And we prayed about it and we got word and it was in his will. And at first we looked at Canada 
and God slowly closed the doors on Canada and started opening doors for New Zealand. And everything fell into place. Um, and we just stood on faith. And, and we just knew that everything will work out. So I resigned my job without having a job offer yet, waiting for my teacher registration. And everything started falling into place um, sooner than it should have. Your registration is supposed to take six to 12 weeks. Mine took three weeks. Um, I applied for a job and it's now my dream job. So I made a list of everything we needed and God provided everything for us and more. There's a verse that says, he wants to bless you with more than you can even think to ask. And he's done that for us. Two days before we got on the flights, Vincent still didn't have a job. He applied for stuff over here, didn't hear anything back. Two days before we got on the flight, he got an email from Tile Space here. And they just said, listen, we hear you're coming to the country. Please come see us. And he said, okay, cool. When do you want to see me? And they, they said, okay, two days after you land. And he went over and they just said, um, the competition's not getting you. You're coming to us straight away. So we both got you. We got our jobs. Our boys are super happy. My eldest son, PJ, told me this week, Mom, this is the best year ever. And I'm like, it's 2020. <laughs> uh, explain yourself. <laughs> and he just said, um, we're in this beautiful New Zealand and I've got friends that's not bullying me. They're kind. And we've got loving people. And we have a great church. And he just started listing everything that he, he has the ability to walk to the dairy and on his own and buy stuff. And, and I just realized that God really blesses us yeah. and more than what we, we actually expected. That's so beautiful. And I even just love the perspective of a child, you know, that can look at this year so differently and actually see all of the good things that God has done throughout this year. I think often we think about 2020, we're like, oh, 2020. But for some of the kids, maybe they've had a very beautiful, different experience. Shannon, what about you? How has God shown up in your story? Um, so it's also different when you grow up in a Christian family all your life, right? So you kind of reign in on mommy and daddy's faith and you don't really have to use much of your own. Until, for me, it was a very privileged thing to say, but a humbling experience. You move to a different country, there's cross-culture, there's so many new things you're learning, but you also realise everyone in your family is learning it at different speeds and different times and different perspectives of it too. So for me, it was just then having to use faith for so many things, um, having to really believe that God's still a part of this picture because there are times where you just want to pack and leave. Like, you know, it was meant to be a two-year, being a missionary's kid, it was meant to be just a two-year stint and it ended up being 15 years. And so you kind of go, oh, we're not going home. Great. So this is home and this is what I have to learn and this is what I have to do and this is when I really have to, you know, pull in on everything that's just been thought to me um, as a kid growing up in church and go, actually, how do I apply this in life? You know, what can I do about this? How can I bring that forward to make sure that the next generation coming out from us too actually gets that same foundation. So for me, it was really tapping into realising God's there every single step of the way. It's just how much you choose to tap into it that really is going to give you that different experience. And that's so true, that, that God is there every step of the way. And for some people in this room, you might think, well, God's not actually close to me. 
friend, I promise you he is. Um, but maybe you're just not aware of his presence and how close he is in this moment. Um, Isaac, you can come join us now, but Raj, I'll get you to finish. Uh, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know God, um, doesn't know what it looks like to walk with him and to have this journey of faith that you've had or be surrounded by a community of believers like you've had, what would you say to them and how has your story been shaped by your faith and what would you encourage everyone with? I would just say um, continue seeking the Lord. Uh, be surrounded by people that care for you. You know, I, I think, you know, my biased view is Elam Papakura has that family of believers around you that genuinely care for you. Uh, be connected. Come, come forward. Have a conversation with us. Best thing we can do for any of you is pray with you. Be there as a support for you. And, and I'd say if somebody's struggling right now, uh, know that the Lord has worked mis mysteriously and miraculously in our own lives. Uh, I've got loads of examples that I'd love to share, but let's make it a personal conversation rather than just me blurting it out from here. But I'd say do, do the growth track. I, I think if there's one thing I've loved about the whole Elam journey and, and becoming very focused on the purpose that God's, God's called you for is, is do the growth track. And that way it helps you focus on your purpose and, and where God's taking you. That's beautiful. Thank you for that final thought. And, and that's so true. There are so many stories. And I'm sure all three of you have a wealth of stories. And you guys can approach these people afterwards if you want to hear more stories of faith. And I just want to thank you guys and honor you for what you've shared today and for, for sitting up here and sharing your story. Because I know sometimes stories of immigration aren't always easy to share. And every time I look at Yovandi with glistening eyes, part of me wants to, to get, get cry and get emotional too. Because it is a hard journey. But we are so thankful to be in New Zealand. And... Yovandi. Uh, but New Zealanders, um, <laughs> but we're so thankful to be here. And to all of the New Zealanders, thank you for letting your home be our home too, because we're very honored to be in this country. So thank you. And can we please say thank you to th these three people? Isn't it beautiful to sometimes just sit down with people and have a conversation and, and get to know some of the people where maybe you've seen them around church before. You might have seen them serving on the ministry team or smiling at the door or sitting next to you in your row. But things like this and these conversations don't just take place on a stage. You can have these conversations at any point with people in this church. And, and I hope that you feel similar sentiments to them. I hope that this is a place where you can belong. But more than anything, I hope that through this journey of being here at Elam Papakura, I hope that you come to know God in a real way because that's why we exist. We're a center of hope that exists to reach, serve, and influence this community, but we only do that by the grace of God. And so I, we never want to finish a service without giving people an opportunity to know Jesus and to start a relationship with him. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you've been walking your own journey on your own, but you actually want to know about the God that we talk about, the God that's provided, the God that has blessed us in many ways, the God that has led us to New Zealand, and ex we've experienced his favor and his provision and his grace and his protection. If you want to know him, then all it takes is a simple prayer where you surrender your life to him.